now here we go. Hello and welcome to Parents Just Don't Understand. I am your host, Kurt Schiller, and tonight we have a rare topical episode. I would say it is a very special episode, but I, I think the the reality at this point uh, is that it's a special episode that's likely to quickly become not not so special, um, since it seems like we'll be talking uh, about the the going condition of things uh, for the foreseeable future, at least the next several weeks, if not if not a few months, um, and namely, of course, that is uh, the ongoing uh, COVID nineteen uh, coronavirus pandemic, which has uh, you know I, I think it has dramatically changed uh, a lot about modern life in a uh, very short amount of time. And uh, not least of which is some major changes to the world of childcare and parenting. And uh, so to talk through that with us tonight, uh, we are joined by Ben Yudishin of the podcast Unpopular Front and also uh, known as uh, Marxist Manny on Twitter, which should give you some idea about uh, what what his uh, career is. Welcome to the show. I say, welcome back to the show. Yes, yes, yes. Well, this this is a uh, this is a chance to come on the show and be in a much more uh, in my zone place. The other one, I I was on the one we talked about the uh, the uh, his dark materials. I had not read those books for a very long time. <laughs> I don't think I even finished the series, but I really liked them. But I don't, you know, stuff stuff happens. But. Thank you so much for letting me come on and talk about childcare in the midst of a global pandemic. And I am actually in Seattle, which is I once heard called West Coast Wuhan, which is not. I mean, I'm sure Wuhan's <laughs> nice. I'm sure it's nice. You know, I don't like think it's a, meant as a compliment in that. In, yeah, in that, in exactly. That usage, though. Like. Maybe we could have all the in that they have a lot of medical industry there. You know, that would that maybe would that's why we're nice similar, to have right? at this time. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. I've, I've wanted to have you on for a while to talk about childcare, um, and because you know, I I think it's it's one of those things where it is an omnipresent part of every parent's life, and I think this is something that we'll talk about a lot tonight. Is like you know, at your ability to function as an adult, as you know, Western society or you know, neoliberal capitalist society, to get right out there with you know the terminology, perceives what an adult does. If you are a parent depends on childcare, somebody doing it. But it's something that we so frequently don't see or is kind of like sublimated into just like this little boxed off part of our lives that, you know, our, our kids go off somewhere with someone for, uh, you know, most of the week. And it's almost like, you know, you don't stop being a parent, but socially in minute to minute, you stop being a parent. Uh, and this whole situation with, you know, the schools being closed, daycares are closed. I, I think some significant percentage i would assume the overwhelming majority of of you know working parents in north america at least or at least in the united states are suddenly finding that that thin veneer of you know parenting stability that support system that we've relied on suddenly pulled away and we have to deal with well here comes like a tidal wave of kids uh crashing back into our lives and what do you do about that so right yeah yeah this uh crisis has really um it really shows first off just how important the like good of child like the serve the good or service the you know the like workers doing this and turning it into something for society is um based around our uh, uh primary ed- ed- education sy- system you know that we have built and it's a very important aspect of modern modern societies is having primary school having elementary middle school and high school to serve as a form of not just to enrich their lives get them food have them be with their friends but to literally just make sure that the kids are where they're supposed to be taken care of and are being treated well um that is a that is built into our system and the second that breaks down you see and you're reminded of how between birth to age five most of this is not guaranteed Mm -hmm. and that's something that i think a lot of parents of older kids are really facing right now and um it shows the importance of i think a universal child care system 
a uh, guarantee for like quality education and having like strong teachers union unions to build that. But when this strain is then put back on the parent, when the parent themselves is expected to work 40 hours a week, maybe more, um, that becomes even harder because to be with your kid and to do a good job taking care of a kid, you're not going to just totally be off in another place and just say the kid's fine. Like you're going to have to take time out of your day to do that. And yet still expecting, uh, you know, work out of the parent is really, really challenging. And that's putting a strain on the economy and it's putting a strain on people's sanity. Yeah. It's, it's wild. The amount of, there's just the amount of hours in a week that um, parents have been able to, or I should say, you know, p- parents that use childcare have been able mm-hmm. to outsource and that we've built yeah. this, this system to out to handle that, where it's like, you know, uh, this, this huge portion of your life that you would have to deal with day to day in which we must say, you know, uh, stay at home parents, um, be they moms or dads, although, you know, primarily moms i should say you know this is a very yeah Yeah. historically and and still um i I think is something that is really hard to appreciate on a like you can understand it on an intellectual level like okay you probably Mm -hmm. spend i don't know 10 extra hours of prepping or whatever even apart from just whatever time you spend taking care of the kids um but when you're actually confronted with doing it it's a it's a it's a big difference so yeah I, i think your your point about you know, I, I think we are recognizing just how badly we need to improve that system. But um, so I, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit, um, to kind of you know, per, to personalize things about what yeah, you know we've sure. been dealing with. I, I guess um, so. You know, we're 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 pretty lucky. Um, I'm able to work uh, entirely remote, um, and you know, I have somewhat flexible hours. But you know, I I've still been working, and my 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 wife and co-host Denise has still been working about mm-hmm. 14 to 15 hour days. If, if you include, yeah. you know, the parenting component of that, yeah, where, exactly. what we've basically done is like split the day in half where I work for six or seven hours in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I parent for six or seven hours in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And my wife, Denise does, does the inverse. Right. Um, and you, you know, I, we've, we've talked about this like constantly of, you know, we are, we, we are pretty privileged to have like pretty flexible arrangements. She still has mm-hmm. to go into work, but again, like her hours are relatively flexible. And, you know, even with that added privilege, it's it's hard to tell like how long we're going to be able to keep that up for. It's it's a right. really drastic workload. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's putting on um, just functions that we are adapted to having help with, and you don't have those muscles and that ability maybe to balance that because maybe you're not supposed to. You know, like yeah, maybe. You, we're not supposed to have workloads that are so demanding of us, but, and also have this responsibility individually as parents, because, you know, a, uh, an important way of kind of thinking about how childcare sort of operates in society is to think about how it was done before, let's say the past 30 years. And a lot of, you know, uh, you know, different family arrangements, different sort of, economic structures of like maybe a more agricultural society you know the it, it it's always been spread around all this and what has happened is sort of in a lot of people's lives just to maybe that they have to live somewhere where they're not close to a family or they just don't have the same kind of social bonds to share childcare with a community is then it sort of turns all this responsibility onto the uh, parent you know um it's sort of a uh way that we uh it's a thing I've kind of noticed actually um, with some parents working in childcare is they feel guilty sometimes about them mm-hmm. not spending the time with the kids and them needing to give like a certain kind of um, like, it, it's like the moral thing is like, and it, that they have to spend as much time with their kid as humanly possible. Right. Um, and sometimes I don't know, it's like the sick thing that can happen, but then we're also realizing the limits for other kinds of folks right now. How are you dealing with, um, having two kids of pretty different ages? I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, well, um, I, I mean, uh, I, I should say that the word I would use is we're coping. Okay. Um, luckily, so our, our kids are one and just about four, um, and she will be four in about, th- uh, three weeks time. 
Um, so we'll, we'll probably still be uh, quarantined or, you know, self self isolating social distancing yeah. when, when that happens. Um, you know, our, our one year old is um, walking and trying to communicate and mm-hmm. she's pretty good at, you know, if you put food in front of her, she'll she'll eat the food. She'll make a mess, but she'll eat yeah. it. Yeah, um, I, it was actually pretty funny. I, I we've we've been having the opportunity to just see what she's willing to eat. Um, yeah, because you know uh, the lot the the usual staples that we have. We were like, well, we've got all this, you know, m- mushy baby food, but uh-huh. let's see what else she'll eat, and we'll save yes. that just in case. You know, we eventually she eventually says, I don't want to eat waffles or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Let's save that, and you know, on the off chance that maybe that becomes scarce waffles that is a total one year old food i i i had i had waffles breakfast with one of my old uh, nanny kids every morning for like a <laughs> year and a half yeah our um our our three-year-old uh when when she was one she it was basically every morning was just like waffle here's here's yes. the waffle and she would yes. just sit there and eat it and just oh, yeah. just hold it and then as she got older it turned into like it eventually became like a waffle sandwich with like peanut butter and jelly yes. on the inside we had to like to, to like augment it but um, you know, so like today, uh, it being, you know, it's, it's the weekend. So we were able to kind of like trade back and forth, but normally it's very much a, a situation of like, okay, um, we set up a, we've been calling it the fun zone. We set up like a gate with like a little fence mm-hmm. across okay. our, our living room where half of the living room is mostly safe. You know, yeah. there's not, there's not, you know, our, our various knife collections aren't, aren't in there. Um, and, uh, we've been calling it the fun zone. And so the kids will be in there and that allows us to, you know, step into the kitchen for a second if yes. we need to, 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 to prep food. Um, but you know, the, the, the one-year-old is still very, uh, you know, determined to find ways to injure herself or find yeah. things to, to put in her mouth. So, you know, it's, yes. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it's, you know, it's been, I think, emotionally difficult for both of us because we don't yeah. have, you know, we're, we're not used to going every day having six or seven hours where we don't have any backup support. And, you know, right. yeah. um, my parents live somewhat close, but they're in New Jersey and New Jersey is on lockdown. Um, yeah. And so like, we don't, we don't really have, have, have any backup. I don't even know that we, we would want to use backup even if we right. had it given like the social yeah. distancing angle. Yeah. The, the, that's, that's been a part of my whole nanny family thing is we're all kind of we all decided that we're all going to basically do social distancing except with each other so we have like a little pod basically you know um and uh it's so funny because what you described setting up the fun zone that's literally the first thing i always do whenever i show up somewhere to nanny a kid is you just you make a little like you know contained area and you have like a collection of activities and Mm -hmm. you just kind of let them go that's that's why it it helps to have like two kids near the same age i have to say yeah so it, it i definitely, definitely yeah sorry go, uh, go ahead no no that, that's just this it's just so funny you're dealing with exactly you were kind of joking saying that you have my job now but you literally are just doing my job i, I you know mean, like I, I mean i really want to mechanics i yeah. really want to emphasize though like if if there are people who should be being thanked for their service right now it should definitely include you know child care workers uh, anyone who's still working in like grocery or retail, yes. um, obviously any, you know, like medical personnel, mm-hmm. um, it, it is, I, I, I would love to hear, you know, how your job life has changed in, in, in response to this. But the, but the, the yeah. one thing that I'll add, um, but b- before we, we, you know, jump over to that is, um, we approached initially the situation of like, let's come up with education at home. And so we came yeah. up with like a theme for each day. We were trying to be very rigorous mm-hmm. and we tried to come up with stuff for like, yeah, maybe both kids couldn't do it, but we would have things where like, okay, we know that the one-year-old will take a nap around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so we'll have something that we can do arts and craftsy wise with, you know, the three-year-old yeah. around that time. And then we'll have, we've been making a lot of use of uh, Yo Gabba Gabba has basically been on nonstop in our yeah, house. Something like that. Yes. Exactly. Great show. And you have like a, you, you have a bit of a ritual. You have a routine. Like yep. this also is reminding me a lot of when I worked at a, a daycare center with kids from like, one to five you know like there would be times when the kids would the younger kids would have to take a nap you got to keep the other kids going you know yep and you got to you got to balance out all these different things like this is this is like everyone is getting a taste in a very minute way 
of what it's like to work at one of these uh, daycare centers or just how the system works. Mm -hmm. I I will say though, um, there, uh, I, 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 I think I even said we we started off trying to be very regimented and we still are trying to come up with like a general theme for the day. Um, but we've we've kind of tapered off from like everything has to tie into the theme. So, you know, like uh, initially yeah. it was like, well, the theme for That's today <laughs> is trains. Yeah. So th- when we go for our walk with both kids, we have to find something train related that we can do. You know, we, we live near a train station, so it was easy to be like, look, there, there's a train. Remember, yeah. today is about trains. But by the end of the week, we had kind of deteriorated to like, OK, it's enough to just take the walk. Our three year old is not going to yeah. be like. Hey, mommy and daddy, why didn't this tie back into the theme for the day? It actually it wound up not, not <laughs> yeah, managing, not, exactly. not mattering as much as just like just doing something constructive. And I, I, I do want to call out specifically um, there is uh, there, there's an author by the name of uh, Simone Cairn, who uh, I follow on Twitter, and they made a really good point um, that, you know, part of the reason that formalized school and daycare is so regimented is because you need to be able to scale it up to you know basically crowd control and if you have the opportunity at home now to just take care of one or two kids if indeed you know if if you're only taking care of of one or two kids if you have five or six kids maybe it's a difference you know maybe it's some of those rules still apply but you can do free play that's like the cutoff line actually (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah, like like you can do more free play stuff. You can do more just learn through through play. You can just sit down with your kid and come up with stories or just like write out a letter. And like that's yeah. that's stuff that you can't do with a group of 20 kids, but that you right. can do with, you know, two kids. Yeah, no, for for sure. That's a sort of it's an interesting way. Like that's how the profit motive or the like efficiency productivity aspect of it Um comes into play in how the kids lives are and how they're structured and what they sort of think a normal day is, you know, and what they choose to learn about. Yeah. So, so like, like we were saying before, I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of how, how uh, the pandemic and, you know, social distancing has impacted your job uh, personally. I think you're going to have a really unique perspective on it. Yeah. So I've uh, ended up, I, uh, I am lucky. I, I live really close to my uh, job. So I have been choosing to walk um, just so I can not touch anything. Right. And I've been uh, needing to um, with the kids nowadays, it it many aspects are the same because I'm already at a, a house. Right. Like if there's a shelter in place thing, you stay at a home. You're OK. Right. But it means that I'm always there because now. It used to be, especially with my old kids, I would be out in the stroller out of the house with the kids. If I was with them for 10 hours a day, I would be out in the stroller for like five hours. Oh, wow. At the park, going for a walk for their naps, uh, maybe go on the train somewhere, you know. But now it is basically I can put these kids in a stroller, but I can't take them out. Right. You know, like and um. I can't go to the coffee shop. There's not really much of a communication. Um, And I am hand sanitizing literally every single time I go anywhere. Yeah. So it's sort of changing. um, I think sort of like the scope of the world for these kids right right now, you know, like they're, they're not getting a chance to go to the library for story time. They're not really getting a chance to really see kids who are not this other kid much less kids of other ages, you know? And um, there's a lot of like mobility and socialization that is sort of built in, at least to how I've always like nannied, which is to take them to public spaces and let them see other kids. And, um, you know, we live in a, Seattle's has a rep, doesn't have a reputation for being diverse, but we live in a relatively diverse part of the city. And that allows me personally just to like see other kinds of people and to talk with some of these nannies who are like Ethiopian immigrants and talk with them with their kids and also talk with other nannies. I've got to really, one of the most important parts for me um, in this uh, and in this work is getting to talk with other nannies and get to hear sort of what their expectations are, but also parents, but to sort of, especially for the nannies to get to know kind of like what kind of like, um, like, what are you getting paid? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, and uh, you know, sort of like, what's the arrangement with these families? Are there certain kinds of families that you don't want to work for, Kurt? I'm sure you're, you're, you would be great. You, <laughs> you would be fantastic, just fantastic. But you know, so to get a chance to meet those people in uh, person, and to also, you know, have the, also have the kids like you know learn and all that stuff and grow and be loved and all that. But like that, closing that off. Um, has really affected sort of what my work life is and what, you know, the scope of life for the kids. Yeah. It's, you know, that, that brings back something that you said uh, earlier that it's, it's almost like we've had to switch back to like an agrarian society mode of childcare where the kids are just around. But of course that aspect that you just mentioned of the community and, you know, even if, even if you're not like watching kids as a group, if you're at a playground, and there's mm-hmm. six or seven parents there or, mm-hmm. or caregivers there and there's 10 kids um you can you you okay you can't like check out but mm-hmm. you know okay you know there's other parents present it's a lot different from just yeah. being you doing like you know zone defense against two kids or however zone many defense kids is my life yeah, as someone who mainly n- nannies babies and toddlers, that's my life. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've really gone like through the looking glass. Like, there's no, yeah. there's, there's nothing to compare this to because if you went back to before the professionalization <laughs> yeah. of childcare, you had yeah. a much stronger, you know, omnipresent social like contract with the community where it's like yeah. you know kids could run around town and your your neighbor might see your kid getting into trouble and be like hey cut that out you know now right. we've 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 simultaneously eroded that where like mm-hmm. you know i i think most people have a very strong taboo about like talking to other people's kids i, oh, I certainly yeah, avoid for it sure. like occasionally like I, I do all the time but i think yeah. that's that's from working in daycares like very specifically yeah and, and like yeah. like i i yelled at some teens the other day but oh. the, but it was it was literally like like a moment and i was like i can't push this because first of all like i don't want their parents to yell at me second of all i don't want them to yell at me teens are yeah scary. yikes <laughs> but um yes. but yeah like so so now like this is an totally incomparable situation in terms of parenting and childcare where it's literally like there's that oh gosh who who's who's the author there's there's that that book uh or that that short story the machine stops where it's this pe- these oh, people yeah. who live in these like isolated little cells where they're only interconnected by technology with other people and that's oh, very yeah, yeah, much yeah. like what we've wound up in like it's literally yes. just like you and kids in a house and that's uh-huh. the entire world we, you right. can't go to the library. You mm-hmm. can't go for a drive. You no. can't. I mean, you can walk around the block briefly, depending mm-hmm. upon you know, like where you live. Yeah. If you're in the city, it's a much different scenario than if you and live like out in the suburbs. Yeah, exactly. Like I live across from a giant park. Like I'm I, again. Most people don't have that. You're doing like the the like rear window thing where you're like looking yeah. out the window of like I wish I could be over yeah. there. That 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 right. was my poor attempt at yes. a Jimmy Stewart voice, which yeah, I, I abandoned you know. as soon as I got into it. Hey. <laughs> All right, you know, but yeah, I, it's yeah. Go on. No, no, I was just gonna say, um, you, you, you also brought up earlier the kind of the 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 labor angle of childcare, and I think yeah. that this is going to make people realize just what that is worth and just what it's worth to society. So, like to so you know to throw out some some facts about childcare. Yeah. Um, childcare is not cheap to begin with. The average cost of childcare, obviously, it varies. I think mm-hmm. the range is between is like between four thousand a year and twenty thousand a year, depending upon like where you yeah. are in in the country. Yeah. Um, but it av- the average is around eleven thousand dollars a year, which is like two hundred dollars a week. That's a lot. I mean, that's yeah. that's a lot. And a, a lot of you know a lot of daycares, a lot of childcare is already barely able to uh, keep up with like that, like like balancing the level of care that needs to be provided with what people can afford to pay is already uh something that society is struggling to manage and and of course you know it it puts uh strain on the workers and puts like a strong incentive to like you know how how little can you get away with paying people who are doing child care given that people can't actually afford to pay what child care should cost and like you look at that and you look at the way that, you know, working culture is like dra- dramatically changing at a very rapid pace in the last two weeks because of the changes. And it's like, 
why don't we have universal pre-K? Why don't we have universal daycare end to end or some other, you know, there's, there's other ways to, to address that issue. But I mean, that's the the most obvious one. And you look at that and it's like, well, how is it, how is it reasonable that per kid people are expected to pay 40 to $50,000 before they end up in the public school system? Like, (laughs) How are you supposed to make that work? It's crazy. They expect you to have a college, a college fund before your baby's born. You know, like right. that is what the the health, the childcare system is uh, is basically asking most parents, especially in a society and a culture and a business culture, a working culture that is all about as I mean. Of course, we live in capitalism. Like the 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 like core fundamental aspect of, of capitalism is is productivity and and continued growth. So you're expecting constant growth for people, and that is putting a pressure on them to need to work more. But then, of course, if they're working, the cost of this care can't really match it, and it it's it's so impossible that like there is no way for us to expect this level of work out of parents without fundamentally changing our like the our expectations mm-hmm. for what a two-year-old should have for child care you know like the and the fact that children are developing especially at the early, early earliest ages it's sort of want to get sort of i i don't want to quantify this because children and humanity is way more complicated than just how many neural connections we're making but from zero to three it's just at such a higher rate and that is a rate where we have this hole and it reproduces throughout society you know like the expectations of certain levels of vocabulary mm-hmm. for kids at in you know as they enter elementary school will be dramatically different based on sort of the attentiveness of their of their care and the literal ratio of how many people are with them daily you know yeah and even and, the yeah like like even even on top of the concerns on the child there's such an like, a, like an emotional cost to parents and i'm sure there is a quantifiable cost to the children of like a lot of retail jobs might only give you know if if they give women uh any leave you know it may only be a couple weeks and like to the point where a lot of retail jobs like you can't even find or it's really hard to find childcare that will accept kids as early as your job wants you to come back to work and it's like well what like you know in in the past obviously we dealt with that through an incredibly sexist you know patriarchal system of like well women are expected to be homeowners which also that is a like fundamental way i i think because that that's a great example i was just thinking about this today just i mean this is what i do i just like sit around and i was like i was like thinking about sort of how we talk about uh, you know there's like social reproduction theory mm-hmm. as kind of a way to like just i mean it was included i mean god i'm, I'm sorry this is too like like marxist but like <laughs> it's like it's like it was included in sort of like the basic sort of like like it within Marx's own work, he t- he began a theory on social reproduction and which is, you know, child care, home rearing, quote, women's work. A lot of these kinds of uh, functions to keep a a family and the family creates the workers which create the things, you know, and um, that I was just thinking like this is almost this was like one of the main economic functions to reinforce gender roles and to reinforce Mm -hmm. ideas of patriarchy and sexism and homophobia definitely a lot of these systems that we're dealing with in sort of unique uh individual ways come from this desire to get so much free labor yeah and what's what's interesting is um even if we wanted to go back to a 1950s style, you know, sexist system of, you know, women are expected to be homemakers and that's how things function. Mm-hmm. We we could not economically or financially go back to that. There, there there was a really good article in the Atlantic talking about like the, the it, it it had a kind of a goofy headline. It was like the cost to feminism of of the the coronavirus, but its sure, its point yeah. was basically, you know, 
st- you know, st- statistically women make less than men still. And so if you have a bunch of couples where suddenly they have to deal with the, you know, the, the hourly labor of childcare and the man is likely to probably make more than the woman or, you know, right. a- assuming it is uh, a hetero relationship, you know, um, then like, from a financial standpoint, it, it's the the expectation is probably going to fall on the, on the woman to go back to doing childcare and to to yeah, stop working. Sure. But even what I thought was what occurred to me on top of that is people don't get paid enough to have for for for, for the most part to just have one parent working. Like no, it's, we we couldn't even go back to that system now if we wanted right. to, just because that's not like jobs don't pay enough now. Like it's right. it's really wild where it's like I, I I have to wonder like if this goes on for you know I, I mean if it goes on for a month it'll have a huge impact. If this goes on for oh, two yeah. or three months, like uh, I I I think that the the way that we look at childcare and the way that we look at parenting will be forever and irreparably changed yeah. to the point that like. Even, you know, at at this point, I I can't imagine what would happen if like they were like April 15th, that's when everyone, that's when things go back to normal. You know, someone Mm -hmm. flip, you know, throws a switch somewhere. I I think April 16th, we would, we would not be back to normal. We would carry with us the, the sudden shocking like realization of how frail this support system is that we Mm -hmm. have built modern life and modern like family economics upon basically. I do, though, think like I'm seeing right now more clearly and I see a lot of fertile political ground um, for uh, maybe us to start making a few demands, you know, to to alleviate these uh, problems as movements. Like, I feel like I've, you know, obviously, I think getting universal health care would be probably the most important thing that we can do right now as a country, especially to deal with things like the coronavirus, but mm-hmm. also just generalized inequality. But I've always been a little annoyed that it's like no one ever talks about like universal child care, you yep. know, like because most of the candidates and, had yeah. some kind. I, I should say most of the of the Democratic oh, yeah. candidates had some kind of a proposal, but I, I don't think I ever heard anyone mention it except yeah. like in passing, like as like yeah. one bullet in an eight bullet list. Yeah, I've I've like heard Bernie mention it um, in speeches, you know, like yeah. in a greater thing. Yeah, but, well, um, Warren had it included. I don't yeah. know that Biden um, has it. Uh, well, you know, he has it. It's the turn the uh, radio on, turn on the oh, yeah. phonograph. <laughs> that is his child care solution. <laughs> so we already know. Turn we the podcast know. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> turn the podcast on. Exactly. No, I, I, I think what, what, what it is, is the the things that I'm seeing clearly are there has also been a lot of talk and a lot of change internationally. And even people have done historical research to prove that we actually just as humans work more nowadays than people yes. have, you know, like in speaking of agricultural societies, people weren't working like, you know, like you just were sort of there. It was just your home. It was the, the I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that being a marketing guy, it's the same physical labor as being a peasant. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but you know, sort of like expectations for sort of what is like a normal human work week. And, some places have like the 32 hour work week, some places mm-hmm. 25 hour work work week. And that would be a way if we can keep wages higher with that's this is the problem uh, for the cap capital owners, but that uh, that could help people deal with this childcare crunch. Yeah. So um, I, my my degree is actually in anthropology, um, so I, I oh, actually can speak a right. little bit to the, okay. like, the pre modern division of labor. Yeah. Um, and the 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 point that I always make to people when I try to explain this is like, uh, you know, if if you were a peasant, a, a peasant was not something that you did. You know, f- farming was not something that you did. It was something that you were, and mm-hmm. you did a lot of other stuff on top of that. The actual work of farming happens it's very intensive a few times a year the rest of the you know but there were large stretches of the year where it's not like you know the the notion that peasants were just kind of like sitting around kicking it is is also um a a historical but the the, what would basically happen was you know at harvest time and planting time and you you know you, you 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 would have specific tasks that you had to get done then the rest of the year you might 
make some beer or you might make cheese or you, Mm -hmm. you know, raised livestock. You, you would have like a couple, like, you know, in modern terms, you might call them like, you know, side hustles, but (laughs) it was all just kind of like a variety. Are you saying that all peasants were gig workers? Yeah, exactly. They were all gig work. Well, I I mean, in a way, um, except unlike in a gig economy, they were independent craftspeople, basically. Right. Um, and actually, there's an interesting point where if you look back at Adam Smith, man, we went deep. We went deep already. If you look it. back I at always the this society Sorry, that, that, that Adam Smith was describing, he was operating under the assumption that most people would, would operate as independent craftspeople, that they would mm-hmm. be blacksmiths or farmers or they would be fletchers or they would be like tanners that um he he was not envisioning a a world in which everyone worked for big you know corporations or larger organizations he was the the reason that he was talking about things in terms of like these independent operators because he assumed and as was true at the time that he was writing that most people would be independent operators who had some degree Mm -hmm. of financial independence and they were setting their own rates of like to the extent that they were they, they were not earning wages they were charging for their labor but they, they had pricing control over it basically so mm. um i'm trying to think of how to get us back to the parents yeah no, <laughs> so, no 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 this is all part of it though because rearing families is one of the things humans have done basically forever if we think if we want to say the family is having babies and yeah there was some kind of a unit it, it some sort of a unit maintained right? by someone I, I mean if you go back you know um back before like the 20s or, or, or so uh multi-generational households were part of the way that people maintained the challenge of raising kids if you would have right. older family members uh, you, you know, you might have seven or eight adults living in a household who could help take care of stuff. You didn't have this thing where everyone was in their own little like atomic uh, like yeah. uh, arrangement. That that itself yeah. is a very modern, you know. Now, setup. and this is the uh, problem, right? Because we know how they used to do it before we had child care centers, right? right? But now, as this as this article you had mentioned talks about um and this is why i always go back to we just need like a state-run universal child care system is that we have a uh we just we already live in that atomized world like we've had a few generations of this at this yes. point right yeah we, and we can't just and, go get Mima and peepaw and move them back in exactly exactly right you know and like everyone's told you know be a digital like nomad and you know you'll you know move 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 cross country and you know do this thing or do that thing or there's also the uh maybe not like technological millennially but also a very a thing that happens for a lot of folks you know go to the oil pipeline go to go do go run a fracking well you know and (laughs) you know all of these things are expecting people to not have their sort of physical roots that you have for that kind of um that comes out of that kind of family structure which has a lot of downsides too let's be honest but there so if we're going to have that mobility we have to be willing to support and to fill in those gaps as a community and a state in a very in the in, in literally the exact same logic that why we have kindergarten like kindergarten is not that different from like you know uh, pre k really you know yeah. and you know so that's fine and we need that right so it sort of goes back to the responsibilities and the and this is maybe like a question of values for some people but i think more people realize that you you know that like we have a collective responsibility purely just to be like a better functional country right yeah 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 you know it's it's interesting there was this there was a talking point that i started hearing about a year ago that i occasionally still hear um and it was people emphasizing that we need schools not daycares and i was really confused by that and especially that. because like people I, I don't understand where that's coming from. Like I oh, I, I, I can't imagine I any that. parent saying that because like you know what function like the function of a the, the function of a daycare is not that different from the function of a school. And what they do is not that different. Like 
daycares and, you know, in-home childcare do a lot of teaching by definition. Yeah. Now yeah. they may not have standardized tests and, and, but they probably have some sort of structured curriculum. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious yeah. how yeah. you approach that. Actually, do you, do you have some kind of like agreed upon like curriculum or like learning objectives? Not as a nanny so much, but, uh, when I was, when I was doing, when I was at a preschool, yeah. I mean, every two weeks you got to have a new lesson plan. Right. Yeah. And in that that sort of is like saying, OK, so you're going to have to think about a few things and plan out a few things ahead. And, you know, I was with really young kids. It didn't matter as much, but it at least like made it gave like a rhythm and a structure and a theme, like a literal sort of like like path that we were all going on together. And kind of I think it helped the kids have more fun and care more. Yeah, it's 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 just it's such a strange point to make is like I, I don't yeah. know what people expect. Yeah to do differently with like with like with a three-year-old with with like with a three-year-old you're trying to teach them to begin reading a little bit you're trying to teach Mm -hmm. them letters and words you're Mm -hmm. you're talking about animals you're talking about colors you're doing left Mm -hmm. and right you're doing all basic stuff that it's like you're not going to be like here uh fill out this standardized test bubble to prove that you know which color is red um right like like there's you there's no reason to regiment it beyond the extent to which it is regimented which is already yeah. pretty regimented oh like my god already- if these if these if these folks don't think that daycares are, are regimented yeah. it's just because daycares are chaotic because they have to cram a bunch of kids in there that shit is so regimented it is like it is like it is like being in like a you know boot camp you know like time to line up go wash your hands do this do that you know so like that is an aspect that kids are already learning at that age. But I think a big reason why we have this sort of that talking point and that divide. First, I think it's there's a class character to yes. it, honestly, yes. where a, a lot of it is that daycares are for poor people. Daycares yep. are a little bit less than, you know, and then, oh, my God, home daycares. That's like, is that even is that even real? Is that even child care? You know, like and um there's a way that it's i think it reinforces this idea that um i that kind of blew my mind the first time i um read it i think it was it was in like some article and like i had thought about it before it was in this jacobin article about the very early soviet childcare system um really interesting it's written by megan erickson i think she's like their like childcare writer mm-hmm. but um uh, it's this idea that nowadays we really are constantly being reinforced that our child is a product mm-hmm. and you, yes. what you need to do with your product is you need to increase its ability. You know, it's, it's like you're turning your character into like your, R, your, uh, your, <laughs> your child into your RPG character. And you are supposed to be grinding, 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 yeah. leveling up. This kid needs to level up. This kid needs <laughs> this feat. This kid needs this trait, you know? And like you are doing that with your kid all the time. So people want to. So that is sort of like one of those core things that is happening. And I think the like because daycare is not as you don't get as many points as you would at school. Right. So it's sort of like feeding into that idea. Um, but it's again, like, I don't know how any parent could actually express that having had any imp- like a- any contact with daycare, because the, yeah. the reality is it if you started calling daycare schools and you made them part of the public school system, you mm-hmm. would do very little differently for the overwhelming no. majority yeah. of licensed daycares. And, you know, right. you know, again, I, I think you're completely right that there is an, uh, there's an absolute class dynamic. And I, I think that, I think the the picture that people are painting there is that like, oh, bad parents are just dumping their kids somewhere for them yeah. to sit and someone to stare at them and they're not learning anything. First of all, kids learn by doing. Um, yeah, anyone who's exactly. been around kids for a while will realize that that kids just learn stuff and mm-hmm. they get smarter and or they get more skilled by just observing things. They're really, mm-hmm. really good at that. Really good Our at one-year-old has figured out that that she can uh, move the like the like protective fence that we have set up across our living room by like holding on to it and rocking back and forth vigorously. Yes. And that is that's my kind of kid stuff, yeah. right? You just you you set up some you just set up stuff and you see what they sort of find is a problem that they're going yep. to solve. 
Yep, they're like a little robot that is yeah. programmed to escape and pick up <laughs> things and try to put it in their in their mouth. Oh my god! One of my nanny kids, he uh, they have a uh, Roomba and he pets the Roomba <laughs> like a dog. You know, he That's just chases amazing. it around. That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. We we put up uh we recently put up uh my neighbor Totoro wall decals in our three year old's room, and because it was very cold when we put them up, they they're like slowly peeling off the walls, and we have to like smooth them back down. Oh sure. And our three year old looks at them and goes, "Oh, Totoro's trying to escape." And <laughs> earlier today, <laughs> she looks at me and she goes, "Daddy, what would happen if Totoro escaped?" And I was like, "Well, I, we're." Totoro's not actually going to escape. He's just, he's just a, it, he is just a wall decal. Yeah. It's, I, I was just pretend, but just the, the fact that like kids learn yeah. and synthesize ideas, and, and they are multiple steps ahead of. Also, what would happen if he is? What would happen? Yeah. It, you it, have it would, to ask the question. I mean, yeah. sure, sure, it's probably not true. You know, maybe not the wall decal, but what if Totoro himself escaped? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just, you got to play along with whatever, you know? Yeah. Kids are really like, that is one thing, though, like, I do think, yes, it's probably going to put a lot of stress on a lot of families, no doubt, especially the economic stress, just beyond just the child care and child parent relationships right now. But I do think a lot of parents are going to be reminded of a lot of the great things about kids, honestly, and about that curiosity and that sort of like ingenuity of just always trying to yep. figure stuff out, you know, and when yeah, you it, see that in such like almost mundane ways, it, it it kind of brings that out sometimes out of me as an adult. Yeah. So, so obviously our three-year-old and our one-year-old have been having a lot more contact with each other uh, yeah. because normally they're in different it rooms at the daycare yes, and totally. our three-year-old is amazing with our one-year-old and it has been yeah. really, really cool to watch. Like that's she's another been- thing. That's another yes, the multiple ages together because that was my favorite thing when the four-year-olds would be with the one-year-olds. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Yes, it was like our our one-year-old um was trying to eat something that she oughtn't to be eating the sure. other day, and our three-year-old ran over to where I was trying to get lunch ready and said. Daddy Annabelle's trying to eat something. She's not supposed yeah. to be eating it. And I, I, and I was like, "Oh, great!" And like, yeah, uh, exactly. And like, like yeah. I ran over, and there was another time that it happened where she actually just reached over and took, like, took the thing out of her mouth. And I was like, "Okay, Perfect. that's really great. You did an awesome, awesome. job, but also be careful because she has teeth and she will bite you." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, really, and she's really not hurts. emotionally ready for that pain. <laughs> From that little baby, you know, yeah, exactly. and, and like it's, it could cause quite a scene. Denise was not ready for the pain from that little baby when she got oh, a hold of uh, of her fingers. She tried to get me earlier, but I, I, I like moved my finger to a part of her mouth where I knew that there weren't teeth yet, or I, I hoped that there weren't teeth right. yet. And so she, she oh, just kind of like gummed yes. on. I was like, man, I, I just managed to barely keep like keep both fingers today. Oh my but god, yeah, that's it's, that's it's really funny. I have to tell one of my uh, nanny families that actually because her their uh, uh, kid has like teeth only in like two places the rest is completely bare and i I honestly like um i think that our one-year-old seeing so much more of her big sister has helped her learn stuff much quicker because like she um is picking up words incredibly fast uh she Mm -hmm. she now says three words all of which she got from her big sister and they are they are baby which which is good uh the other one is uh uh-oh which is funny and the other yeah. one is yucky. Kids think that's the fun yucky. Yucky. Yeah. Yes. But she has no Those idea are all what it's great it words. Yeah. Those are all good words you need. Oh yeah, you're you're right. Kids kids love the word uh oh. They um, go, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just put their head, hand on their head. Yeah. They I, love I it. Don't, I don't remember if I have mentioned this, but um our our, our three year old picked up um this is this is last year when like 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 now she's you know she's just, just like talking and expressing complex ideas. But last year when she was still kind of like parroting phrases that she heard, yeah. um, uh, I I did something or my wife did something and our our three year old said, um, "Mommy, that's not helpful." 
And I was like, oh, wow. She totally heard like one of the daycare teachers like throwing shade on one of the other, on, 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 like, yeah. like on a kid or something and, and, and picked it up. Um, but yeah, our, That's our not one helpful. year old is picking stuff up so That is such so a fast. good daycare. That's such a good daycare phrase. Sorry. There are, there are certain phrases you, you would have to use <laughs> that to fit like some state mandated kind of like way of, yeah, totally. Of, of talking to kids. Yeah. Because yeah. you're never supposed to like say that what, you know, you're never supposed to like accuse them you know you're always supposed to keep it kind of open and like there's room for improve yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a learning opportunity it's a learning opportunity yeah exactly the, the the other thing that i've been thinking about so much and i i've been i've been try, trying to write something about this in the the, the, the few moments that i have time to work yeah. on, on stuff that isn't work or child care is right the 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 expectations of the presence of children in a professional working environment has totally yes. changed in over in like a week. So, you know, right. I, I work at a, uh, a, a very flexible parent friendly company. It's extremely parent friendly. Yeah. Um, and, but, but even so, you know, most people you know, they, they would make small talk about their kids and we have like a parenting Slack channel where you sure. know, everyone is very supportive of, of each other. It's a very, very, very positive environment to, mm-hmm. to be a parent in. Um, but still, like, you know, occasionally people might bring their kids to the office for an mm-hmm. hour or two just as like a fun thing to do. Or th- there was like a small window of time when like daycare closed earlier or, or, or something. But sure. now I, I I I have not been on a uh, a video conference where there aren't kids running around <laughs> in the background right. and barging into meetings. And two weeks ago. If if my uh, three year old had run into a business meeting, you know, vi- uh, vi- video call, and shown everyone that her mouth was filled with watermelon and gone ah, you know, I would have been yeah. mortified. And now it's happened to everybody, right. and it's just yeah. become like the norm. And to, to your point about like it's almost like we wound the clock back eighty years or a hundred years. Yeah, kids are just around we've we've gone from this this weird culture that we developed where kids were mm-hmm. neither to be seen nor heard they were just to be like water cooler conversation topics exactly to suddenly they are they are everywhere it doesn't matter yeah. if you're the vice president of whatever it is at a fortune 500 company we, yeah. we are all now like that that one like uh like bbc analyst who was trying to report i was on, gonna say like the asian yes. markets and her kid ran into the room yeah he was in like his like little like dome uh, walker, and then like yeah. then <laughs> the oh no no came in or, it was one kid came his, in, his and, then the in. Kid was, and then his wife came. Oh my god, that was a great, and that is the future, right? That's, I mean, that's that everybody is, now. That's everybody. That is Everyone's going happy to, be to do with that. Part of it, and like part of me thinks that like we can build something that could like get a lot of the benefits of this because while we there were a lot of guarantees in you know. M- much older society so we're a lot of problems and a lot of limits and people died in childbirth and didn't live as long so like th- we have the this modern world and we can really build something that i think i would imagine working at a place where k- kids are just around in that way would make it more enjoyable and make you feel more happy and make you want to continue to work with these people because you can be your yourself and you share your families and Mm -hmm. your lives together so you know like there's a lot of good things we can get in this new yeah people are very skeptical of the idea of like well your coworkers are like your family and you know rightfully so they should be skeptical Mm -hmm. of that idea because it is widely abused by companies that are looking for a way to just like build an emotional attachment to an organization that may or may not probably does not have a strong connection to you. And so in that sense, it's negative. But on the other hand, if you're going to be around people for 40 hours a week, uh, you, you know, it's, if, if you're talking about working people feeling like a family and looking out for each other, there's another term for that. And it's solidarity. Um, yeah. There is a way that that can be a positive thing, and so yeah, you know, yeah, like there's a that. way that this is exactly. building solidarity between people, where it's like, yeah. oh, we all are facing these challenges that we weren't yeah. talking about before, right. and they define our working lives. They define every moment of our, of our lives. Like I, I, um, uh, I was once describing what it was like being a parent to someone. I said it, being a parent in some ways is like having a really weird, really expensive hobby where it takes up like a lot of your time outside of work 
Um, other people looking in from the outside are like, man, why are they spending so much time on that? doesn't seem that right. fun. Yeah. But then when you meet another parent, it's all that you can talk about once you have yeah. that, that connection. Right. And suddenly it's a connection that I have with a ton more people that I encounter, you know, whether we like it or not, like work is a fact of life and you may yeah. as well understand and form human connections with the, the people that you are working with. Yeah. And I mean, it isn't, isn't the purpose of what a lot of we're doing to continue life, you yeah. know, like, yeah. like it's like a biological imperative. Right. And like, this is how that happens, you know? So I, I would like to get uh, some, some tips from you. If I can put you on the oh, spot sure. of, you know, I, I think a lot of the people listening yeah. to this are going to be basically, congratulations. You are now a nanny. You are your own nanny. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there isn't even a boss to complain about. Okay. It's you. Um, okay. How do you, how do you keep sane? How do you, you, you know, just, just uh, give us some tips. You have, you have okay. one minute. Go. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. This is good lightning round. All right, folks. So now that you're going to be stuck at home with your kid, but you know what? You may, maybe you still got to do other stuff. Maybe there's like stuff you, uh, you want to listen to a podcast or something. It's fine. <laughs> do it for the kids. You could play it for them even. You don't have to just listen to it in an ear, bud. Um, I find for me, um, I admittedly I'm I'm a musician. I'm I've been like a I'm like a music fan. A lot of kids, not kids, but like a lot of people, like I feel like all millennials and like Gen X people were all we all had like our different like thing we were into when we were a kid. For my for me it was definitely music. So um it's been a chance for me to get back to listening to music, actually, because there's a way that um, kids are learning in all these different ways at all these different times. And exposing them to different kinds of music is something that you can do to help make your own day go better. Find that classic album. Listen to that thing you listened to in high school. Go back a little bit. I find that really, really helps. Um, in the COVID-19 specifically, um, I think daycares, not sorry, not daycares, playgrounds are pretty much safe. Go to the park. The park is really, really good. You know, don't have your kid lick the other kid's <laughs> hand, you know, but, you know, it's in at least where I am now, like the weather is getting nicer. So, yes, the world is falling apart. But if you can get outside, try and do that. Um you know, even if you still have to do some work stuff, like figure out some good mobile, like seriously, like, yeah. you know, find out some way you can do a little bit of work on your phone, but you can still get the kids outside, um, which especially for old, older kids, it's just like, you got to get these like when kids are, are like, you know, like three to six, they have to go run around or right. else they're just gonna they just have all this energy built up. They just have so much pent up energy because of how their bodies are growing. They have to do this. I will say that um, I, I was really surprised. And so was Denise that like our kids have been more exhausted at the end of the day since, you know, COVID changed everything yeah. than they were previously. And I. I think a big part of it is that they're doing so much more like playtime basically yeah. where they are running yeah. around and where, where they're not like sitting down learning something. And, you know, I, I think sitting down That's learning good. Something is extremely important, but yes, yeah. as a parent, it is so nice to read for like five minutes yeah. and our three-year-old is falling asleep. Um, right. We've actually been able to start reading chapter books to her because whereas before she would have been like, I want to see the pictures. I want to switch to this. I, I want to switch things. Now she's like exhausted. She's like, I just want to lie here and hear words and hear a yeah. story. Um, yeah. And what's, what's been funny is uh, about two or three months ago, we switched to um, right before right before bedtime. We would tell each other stories that we could just kind of like make up on the fly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. It's funny because she always makes me go first so that she can copy my story. Um, and I've, I've independently Smart confirmed kid. that she does the same thing uh, with my uh, partner. And yeah. um, uh, her stories have suddenly gotten much, much, much shorter. Whereas they used to be these, <laughs> these like long, rambling, Homeric epics involving yes. like flying horses and dragons and unicorns and stuff. Now the stories are all like, uh, once upon a time, there was a horse named Banana and banana ate breakfast and then went to bed. The end. The end. And then she went to bed. Perfect. And then she went yeah, to bed. I mean, I I think um, due to the way that we have to sort of 
put a bunch of kids in a space and call it a daycare. Or, I mean, let's be honest, there are actually just sort of natural, whatever. There's, um, there is, uh, there are limits to what a kid can do. And I think a lot of kids really want to just kind of just do the free play thing and run around and just have all these different kinds of things, but also sort of be in a little bit more control. Right. And, um, there, this is going to be a great chance for us to sort of think about, yeah, how we think about structuring kids days, how we think about sort of some of those like Montessori principles of self direction. And I think I'm hopeful at least for, what we can see going forward. Uh, and uh, def, definitely too. Um, I do have to go pretty soon, but this is like the, this, this is, this is my co- coronavirus muse, mutual aid tip. <laughs> if you can t- take care of someone's kids right now, do it. Yeah. Like seriously, for a lot of these parents, especially, especially parents who have to work these service service jobs where they still got to be out, out there. And there's all this stuff going on. These kids are like hearing things, which I mean, some folks will probably be like, oh, my God, is my mom, is my dad going to die? You know, like it's really serious. And just being able to help just a little bit with that and um, helping watch these uh, kids sort of as they're falling through the cracks of our of our child care system, that would just please. It's also fun. A lot of people who don't have kids are never around kids ever. Yeah. And they're so mystified by them, you know, but it's it, it's fine, you know, like you'll be fine. It's it's good. Yeah, it's and and kids are both easier and harder than people expect without without the experience. Like if you tell a kid to do something, there's a good chance that they'll just go do it because they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, sure. Like I'll go get like yeah. our. Our three-year-old, if you ask her, hey, can you go bring me the TV remote? She'll go get the TV remote because that's that's a new thing. It's, you know, oh, yeah, sure. That sounds like like a fun little adventure. Yes. So- Kids love jobs. That that was the that was the key for me when I was in the, the one, one-year-old room. This was how I was able to do it because the way that the school, the building was just this terrible, terrible, like, old building. And they basically <laughs> crammed a one-year-old room into what would have been, like, a storage room. Um, that they sort of like took part of the kitchen. It's just like, it's a mess. There was, it was only room for seven kids, but that meant they would only have one teacher. So that would mean me or another teacher. We're both there maybe like two hours of the day, mm-hmm. but the rest of the time you'd be by yourself and to it. And one of those hours was nap time, you know? So you giving the other kids jobs to keep to keep them distracted. But it also like, there's this thing that like kids want to feel like they're doing a good job and they want to feel like I'm so good. I'm so amazing. And if you give them a job and they can do it, they could they can feel that. Yep. Just giving yep. the kid a rag to wipe to wipe the uh the uh, table was like, "Oh my gosh." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um thanks so much for coming on this evening, Ben. Uh and, you know, yeah, thanks totally, for, for taking the time out of uh out of our mutual uh pandemics. I I know that you're you're right in the thick of it. So, uh this, yeah. this has been awesome. Um yeah. what tell, you know, where you've been on before, but let's let's drive the point home. Where can people find more of your work? I I know that you yeah. have some 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 new stuff coming out soon too. Yeah, yeah, I got on uh, popularfront.com has the website, some things I've written over the time cuz I don't know, like they're all on Medium, but apparently Medium's bad, so I'm not going to use Medium, but also I still use Medium. I don't know. You know, it, it, there's there's that, but I have the Unpopular Front podcast. I talk um you know, sort of like left wing political commentary, but also talk a lot about some of these other uh, labor issues like around child care, around uh, sex work and some other topics, not child care and sex work. That, that's a bad combination. <laughs> I, I spoke with one person one time. We barely talked about sex work. I don't know why I said that, but um, we uh, talk about um and I uh, just had on oh, uh, one other thing about unpopular front is we do do a little bit of the like Yiddishy Jewish Jewish stuff. So if you would check out stuff like Jewish Currents, it's kind of like that. Um, and uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Marxist Manny uh, and uh, hear about the world of Seattle politics and childcare. 
Awesome. Well, again, thanks so much for coming on. And just, you know, as an added thing, uh, you, you know, I, I know that everyone who listens to this podcast is a good person. And so if you have uh, childcare responsibilities that you're splitting with a spouse or a partner, I know that you're doing your best. Just, you know, make sure that yeah. you are thankful to your partner for whatever they are doing, whether you feel like they're doing more or less than you. That's the real, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the real relationship stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. We're yes. all we're all going through some shit right now, um, yes. and you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but we're all taking on a lot more work, uh, parenting wise. So if you know a childcare worker, be sure to thank them. Thank yourself. Thank your spouse or partner. We'll we'll all get through this. Everyone, be safe out there. Uh, thanks, th- right. thanks again, Ben, and uh, thanks, thanks everyone lot, for listening uh, to Parents Just Don't Understand. Have a great one. Cheers. All right, thanks. Like Jimmy Carter, like. Electric underwear Like any idea that never had a chance To go anywhere This is who you are A celebrity Who drives off a bridge in a car Your beautiful body filling up with water